Welcome to Spirit School. My name is Danielle Sarank, also known as the Squamish Medium. I am the host of your Spirit School, where I will share all the lessons and learnings that I have uncovered through my intuitive development and mediumship development journey. I am a professional psychic and medium, an intuitive teacher and mentor, and I look forward to walking alongside you on this journey. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Spirit School. I am so excited to have my buddy, Serena, here. And I just want to explain my experience with Serena. Um, and I'm awful with last names, so I'll get you to say your last name after. Because <laughs> I keep having Serena Ryder in my head, but I know that that's like a musical performer. <laughs> I did that to Lindsay, and her last name was Rock. I'm like, well, that's super easy. But I don't know why I just don't remember it. But I met Serena years ago. I... It was actually the first time in public I was asked to go out and give readings at a winter solstice event. We have a mutual friend who's a shamanic teacher and Serena had a beautiful table set up next to me and I got talking to her and we really jived and we've managed to keep in touch mostly through social media since then. And I think that was back in 2015. Um, it was a while ago, right? So we've known yeah. each other a little while. So I just want to give you the space. Who are you? Where do you live? What's your phone number? All that fun stuff. <laughs> All the creepy things that'll get me stalked on the internet. Um, <laughs> I'm Serena Myers. And it's funny because my, my maiden name is Robertson. So I wonder if you're getting like a collision of that as well, as opposed to just the pop singer. I don't know. But uh, so I'm Serena Myers. I'm a sacred soul mentor. So I do um, a lot of just helping people tap into their life's purpose, what they're here to do, and how to tap into the potential of what they came here to do and clear all the stuff that's in between where they are now and what that is, what that vision is. Um, I work with angels in the Akashic Records. So a lot of that soul purpose stuff and then a lot of that divine support. And so much of my work is really about normalizing spirituality and making sure that people know that it's not just for the chosen few. It's really for the open hearted and the willing. Yeah. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. I absolutely love that. And I really want to start with angels because I've only done one angel episode and it was very, very popular. Okay. We're both having sound issues. Just so you know, Serena's <laughs> on construction. I have like, I don't even know what fire thing beeping because it's out of batteries or something. I'm not tall enough to change it. So, <laughs> Okay. So me and Serena also are original angel tribe members who have studied under Kyle Gray and his origin story on how you first connected with angel energy. I know for myself, um, it wasn't until 2014. I didn't have exposure as a child to what angels were. Nobody was talking about it. Uh, but I know that we're very deep within that work now. And so I'd be curious to what led you to Kyle Gray, what led you to angel tribe, and what do you offer the world through your angel work? That's awesome. Um, I actually don't get to talk about this much, so this is great. I had a weird journey to angels. So I've actually only actively been working with them since maybe a year or two before we started Angel Tribe. So maybe like 2016, 2017 or something, I started to actively work with them in my practice. However, um, I used to talk to angels when I was a kid. I talked to them when I would go to bed. You know, most kids would like pray or whatever. I didn't pray. I talked to angels. I would talk to them through the trees and through the wind, all these different things where I didn't even realize... Um, it didn't even occur to me to question whether we were having a dialogue or whether it was just the wind. It just felt like a natural thing to do. I was raised Catholic, so my conception of angels was very biblical. And um, so I had kind of two visions. I had like the book of Revelations, the big battle of good and evil. And then I had like fluffy harps 
and, uh, you know, playing on a cloud or whatever, this kind of two visions of angels and neither of them really resonated. And so I left the church when I was 14 and I left pretty angrily and with a big chip on my shoulder. And I started really exploring more earth-based faiths. So paganism and Wiccan and, um, just different kind of earth-based kind of spirituality. And I got really, really into fairies. And it's so funny because everyone would gift me angels and they'd be like, oh, here, you like fairies. I was like, this isn't a fairy. This is an angel. So I had this massive angel resistance because once I shut it off, and I think there was a big tie for me with Catholicism and angels. Like, I think I really had them as biblical. So I had such a, just a rejection of angels. And it wasn't until later, and it was actually when I met um, our friend Rochelle Payet, who is the angelic alchemist, when I met her, um, she introduced me to Kyle's work and it suddenly became really accessible. It was really down to earth. It kind of blended that kind of spirituality of like the earth and, and paganism and those kind of old traditions, but it still had that element that was really familiar, that was really natural for me as a kid, but that I had created all this separation from. And I really resonated with him as a teacher because he dropped F-bombs and he was covered in tattoos. And I was like, okay, these are my people. So I needed to kind of, uh, I had to show up with my own willingness to see them differently. And I feel like kind of the way he blended the two um, of the earthiness and the angelic really resonated with me and kind of just the journey I've been naturally on. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I'm a sucker for a Glaswegian accent. My family's from <laughs> Glasgow. And when I first heard Kyle Gray too, again, covered in tattoos, he was in his twenties. I never resonated with Doreen Virtue as a teacher ever, ever, ever. Like I can't even, right? Me either. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So when Kyle came, it was like a breath of fresh air. So do you do certified angel guide work? Because I'm, I'm also listed as a practitioner on a site, um, but I haven't listed like an offering for you yet. I've done practice stuff with my friends, which I'll talk about after, but like, are any of the offerings on your website related to the angel work? They are, but they're never just, I, I have pop-up readings that will be just a straight up angel messages reading. If I do any kind of markets and any live stuff, that will be straight up angel work. Uh, because the Akashic record work is, uh, it's a bit more energetically taxing. It's not something I would do in a market or, you know, any kind of public forum. So I do do it like that, but I tend to marry the two. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, um, some people are more willing to enter one than the other. They tend to be more familiar with angels. So they become like a nice gateway into the more, um, I don't want to say deeper because angel work is really deep too. But when it's, I feel like when it's specifically your soul speaking and its needs, it is a bit more revealing. It's a bit more raw and vulnerable. And so I like kind of using the angels to kind of break the ice so that people get comfortable to be able to do the other stuff. So I sometimes will do them as a standalone, as just a pop-up reading every so often where I'll say, hey, I'm taking five people this week. But in general, it tends to be longer packages where we work together, um, where I'm really marrying those two together. Okay, that's awesome. And then I wanted to ask too, because I studied as a medium first, um, and when I realized the different vibrational level between when I'm connected psychically, mediumistically, and then through the angels, like the angel energy was like so intense for me. Like mm -hmm. I actually, I don't even know how to describe it, but I felt high. Like I felt like, um, you know, and you don't realize you're at that vibrational level until you come out of it because mm -hmm. it's progression and so I find that connection to be quite intense mm -hmm. um, so how do you find it 
Um, and I feel like if we were to add to that layer, it would also be like ascended masters mm. are another kind of vibrational thing. Um, I actually found training as a medium helped me to connect with the angels better because it gave me some of the tools and the strategies. And the other part of it was just being, and I learned this in mediumship training was about um, kind of negotiating the intensity with spirit. So when my clear audience came in, it was really, it was mostly just in frequencies that I could hear. And I knew that there was something coming in, but I couldn't get what it was. So it was often this request of, okay, can you tell me different? I hear you. I know you're here, but I have no idea what you're talking about. Can we, can we come about this in some other way? Um, and sometimes it was asking them to turn it up. And sometimes it was asking them to turn it down. In one of my um, mediumship readings, I actually... Um, had an experience with Therapist Bay and it was so intense and I shit you not, I felt my eyeballs vibrating in my skull. Like it was like bouncing in my head. So, um, and those are the times where you're like, hi, <laughs> we just got to turn that down a notch because this is a bit physically uncomfortable and I know we've got some cool work to do together. So um, yeah, the intensity is definitely there. I think the biggest thing that I learned was that I am not at their whim. Like I get to have a say in what's going on. And that really helped me to combat the fear. Because mm. I was a massive chicken. I had so much resistance. And so much of it came back just in knowing that I got to um, set the tone for the intensity. Yeah, I love that, actually. I love the way that you explain that. And it made me think about, um, you know, past readings, like with mediumship, there's always like um, this little bit of fear of getting it wrong, like hearts on the line, like this is your loved one. Mm-hmm. A lot of pressure there. Anytime I've kind of like connected with energy, I've kind of like angel energy, I've just kind of relaxed and um, bring through their messages and their evidence. And I found that even with angel readings, there's a lot of evidence that comes through. Mm-hmm. I had a, a male sit with me last year who it wasn't even his reading. It was his daughter's reading. And then he showed up because she couldn't come. I was like, oh, I hope you're open. And it was angels for him. I'm like, I hope you're open to angels. But they were so evidential in their messages. And I was kind of like fearless in that moment. So I think like angel energy actually makes me feel more confident, actually makes me feel a little bit more fearless. Um, So I don't know if that resonates with you either, but... I think there's two parts to that. So the first is that there is a bit less risk so to speak, I use air quotes there because it isn't someone's loved one. You're just bringing through messages of pure love, but without that same attachment that people have. And I think the second part, and this has been my experience is they really meet us where we are as, as readers. So because your mediumship is so evidential based, they know for you to be able to trust whatever you're bringing through, they need to bring the evidence. It needs to feel good for you to be able to sustain it. For me, they give stuff that is, um, I've had stuff that's evidential-based, but so much of it is just like around soul purpose. It's around what the person most needs in this moment. And that's because that's the work that I tend to do. So they will kind of skew how they show up depending on who the person is, who's like who the channel is, who's bringing the message through. Um, and I love that they've been able to do that. So it kind of blends your two worlds so seamlessly. I could see that, that the angels kind of work with me, like where I'm at. They're like, okay, she's still skeptical. You need to bring her the evidence. Don't bring in the philosophy yet. (laughs) Well, and they know, they know too, that like what's going to fuel you. And, you know, particularly if you're batching your readings that where you're doing a whole bunch of a day, or like when I've done them at events, for instance, like if you're going to have back-to-back readings, they need to show up in a way that's not just really good for the sitter, but that's going to be nourishing for you as well. And I feel like that's a beautiful blend of how they um, adjust kind of how they show up so that we're getting something out of it too. Yeah. And I like that. And something else you said that triggered something in me was um, I'm mostly clairsentient. Like I feel the feels. So I can actually only do two readings a day because I get completely. Yeah. 
So I'm working with a mentor now on getting away from the clairsentience a little bit and working more with that clairvoyance and that clairaudience. Um, the claircognizance is always there, but um, yeah. So I love that you talked a little bit about that earlier. So I will work on that with the angels. I'll be like, Hey, can you like start showing me stuff? Like, so I don't feel so much. Cause I feel that, um, anxiety and that, uh, you know, throw up feeling kind of when they connect, I'm like, this is really intense. So I don't do it very much. Um, so I've also wanted to talk to you. I had a question on Instagram and I try to focus some of my podcast episodes around what people are asking me. I was like, oh, this is a good thing I'll talk on the podcast about. And Brandy, um, who I love and adore, she wants to know more about past lives. Mm. Now, the past life, I'll just share my experience a little bit and then ask you to kind of share yours. Um, I, in classes, like in development classes, we've done some past life stuff before, and I've always remained kind of on the fence about it um, because I've always been like, well, again, I'm quite skeptical by nature. I don't know if it's my Virgo, (laughs) (laughs) but it's kind of like, well, where's the evidence, right? Like you could, I could tell you anything. You could tell me anything. Um, And of course you feel it, but uh, because I work in the public space, I, I feel that pressure definitely to get more evidence. Now, the only time I feel like I've had a for sure past life reading experience was actually when I was doing Kyle's structured certified angel guide session. Um, and I was with a beautiful woman who sat with me and I had a vision of her being thrown on the back of a horse and being basically like, like galloped to her death. Um, I, you know, I won't go into details what happened to her and that, but when I came out of it, when I put my hands on her and I saw this, I said, you know, I feel like you have this unexplainable, like debilitating fear of horses. And she confirmed that that was actually a fact. I said, and I told her what I had seen. And that to me was kind of like my first taste of, wow. So there is evidence and there is proof to some past life readings, but I've only had it in that um, angelic experience. It doesn't come up often for me in my readings, likely because I'm not ready for them or I'm not open to them, but I'd be curious uh, for Brandy's sake, (laughs) what say you about past life stuff? I think some of it is probably your readiness. I think the other part of it though, is in what's beneficial to your sitter. Because they're going to really bring forward things that are relevant to the here and now. So even, so when, just kind of briefly touch on the Akashic Records, it's basically a library of everything your soul has experienced and everything it will experience. So past, future, above, above, below, all of it is in these Hall of Records. And so you would think, okay, well, if I'm working on soul purpose, I'm working with soul records, it must come, past life stuff must come up all the time. And it rarely does. And I think people sometimes get a little bit attached to the stuff that's happened, not just in like past lives, but even in our past childhoods, like we sometimes get really stuck when really we need to keep our eyes going forward. So I think I would not be surprised anyway, if a lot of the time that's not coming up for you is actually not about your readiness, but also about what's actually most beneficial for your client. Mm. Um, I started reading about past lives when I was 17. Um, my first past life regression um, had a pretty uh, violent assault that I saw. And it was, um, it was really challenging. And at the time it was, it was interesting because I was a virgin. I was really afraid of the pain of sex. It's why I was putting it off. Mm. And, um, and it was kind of reaffirming of like, well, yeah, if my first experience was this massive trauma in this past life, of course, I'm going to be afraid of the pain of it going forward. So I've kind of had that kind of confirmation going backwards. But when I've seen it come up with clients going forwards is when it's a pattern that is repeating. So 
people who, despite the evidence in this life, just constantly feel persecuted, even though they're surrounded by love and support. Um, but in past lives, they've been, um, you know, cast out in their communities and, or burned at the stake or all these really horrible, violent things. I also have seen it come up with people who have like untapped skills. So I had one client who, um, she was like a, a physical therapist and she was exploring all these different natural modalities to be able to support women in women's health. And when we went into her stuff, she was like the old um, medicine woman of a village. She was a herbalist. She was doing all this work. And it was because these were things that she was meant to like bring into the here and now. So it was less about, oh, this, let's blame the past for these things. It was more like, hey, here is some untapped stuff that your soul has been holding onto that'll really help you in this time around. Mm -hmm. So I feel like um, there's a lot of wisdom that's held in our past life stuff. It is kind of hard to um, have evidence for sure. Although you do get that deep knowing. Like when we talked about the lady with the horse earlier, you got goosebumps. So you know, like, and she had probably had the same kind of validation. Yeah. So there is that deep knowing, but it's not the same thing as there's someone here, his name is Paul and you know what I mean? He was a doctor or whatever. It's not the same kind of evidence. It's more on, a, on an energetic and a, and a feeling basis. But it's really so much about like, why do you need to know what happened in the past? Like, what benefit is it going to have for you now? And is it going to? I really set the intention in all of my readings that anything that comes through is for the highest good, truth, and purpose. Mm -hmm. And if it's not going to be supportive, we don't even go there. Yeah. No, I love that. So then how do you recommend for people who are interested in past life, whether they want to have a past life session or they want to access their past lives by themselves? Like, what would you guide somebody to do in that situation? I would first start off to say, like, what are you hoping to find there? I would really make sure that your intention is super clear. Um, and I would actually, like, to be honest, I wouldn't use the Akashic Records for that, even though it's fully capable and functional for that. I would look more into hypnosis. Mm. Um, and actually, if you're looking for it just from a wisdom perspective, in Kyle Gray's uh, Angels and Ancestors deck, he has a beautiful spread as well that's a past life spread. Ooh. So I would even recommend doing something like that if it's more for just pulling in the wisdom rather than the, I know that I was the medicine woman in this, in this village and blah, blah, blah. It really, so much of it is your intent and what you're hoping to get out of it. You can definitely do it in the Akashic Records. Yeah. But I do also believe that unless it's, you know, what you most need, they're not going to give you that. Yeah. You know, I just thought of another experience I had. Um, I have this like fear about my children. Like I've always been fearless. I, I lived a fearless life. Like I eloped with a stranger when I was younger. I moved to a town I'd never heard of. Like <laughs> and I didn't even have a license. Like I was very fearless and then I had kids and I was super fearful. And I actually went to counseling for it. Cause I was like, I can't raise my kids like this because they're going to be full of fear. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I keep on this path. And counseling didn't help me in that respect, to be honest with you. And finally, one day I just sat down on my floor with the intention of like asking spirit. I'm like, what is up with this? I can't live like this anymore. Like I want to worry about other things. Like I'm done worrying about this. And, um, they showed me very clearly, uh, a past life where I did lose my children. Mm -hmm. I outlived them and I survived them. And, after I had that experience, um, and you know, even me coming out of it, because you know, when you get visions, they're like daydreams and, you know, is this my biggest fear taking place or is this actually something in my past life? But I felt like the energy kind of moved, mm -hmm. um, after I had that experience, it's almost like, um, the, what do you call it? Like the charge diminished, um, mm -hmm. my fears from having that kind of experience. And that was just basically sitting down, not even in a deep meditation, but just talking to spirit and saying, what is up with this? I'm yeah, sick of me. I'm done. 
I'm, I'm ready to move on. And uh, that energy did move. So that might be something for people to consider too. When I was doing my, my studies about it, I was reading stories about like people w- who just like automatically hated each other for no reason. And then they would, you know, they would go back and find out that there was stuff that was going on or um, people with irrational fears. So um, claustrophobia or actually claustrophobia. I remember one of the stories, it was someone who died in a cave, like had caved in and pinned them down and they, you know, they were confined. So there is oftentimes um, some truth, not just truth, but like wisdom in the past life that will have like, particularly with rational fears that has an impact today. And I think that kind of like even with anxiety, when sometimes when you just say it out loud, that helps to dissipate it. So sometimes just the knowing is enough to integrate as opposed to having to do any kind of heavy energy work to actually release it. Sometimes just the knowing is the releasing, which is probably why you got that relief. Yeah, for sure. I always joke that I swear I was Anne Bowling in a past life because since I was in high school, I sucked at school, like sucked. But the one thing that stuck with me was the um, history of the Plantagenets. And I was always fixated on Anne Bolin, and I still am to this day. And then when I discovered um, through Sylvia Brown's work that sometimes birthmarks are indicating of past life traumas mm-hmm. and I have a birthmark on the back of my neck oh my gosh <laughs> and I'm like I'm like maybe I was Anne Bolin <laughs> or if you weren't her maybe you were also decapitated and that's why because <laughs> that would be like hey famous decapitated lady what's up with her <laughs> I know, that, that's what my skepticism was I'm like if I go I've been hesitant to get the past life regression hypnosis and I agree like that's one I'm super interested in but I've been waiting to hear about a reputable somebody who's had like a, a for sure experience. Cause I've never been able to be hypnotized. Like I've paid to be hypnotized to get quit smoking. I went to Ravina hypnotist. He couldn't hypnotize me. So I don't even know if I'm a candidate. Mm. Um, that's come. I'm waiting to hear word of mouth. Like, Oh, I saw this past life regressionist and they were amazing. Um, because I'm so afraid somebody's going to be like, you were Jesus or you were Cleopatra. And I'm like, ah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me more. Tell me what I want to hear. Totally. How magical I am. Totally. <laughs> So cool. So another part of the podcast I really wanted to talk to you about because the majority of my audience is up and coming intuitives or even professional intuitives right now. And they check in with me (laughs) to find out what's going on in my insecurity so that they don't feel alone and that they Mm. feel like, okay, good. Other people experience this. I'm normal. Because what happened with me early on is I didn't have um, mentors who were vulnerable. And so I felt like I was never good enough. I felt like I'm, you know, I waited four years to come out because I was like, well, I'm not where they are. Like I I'm too scared. I'm too this. And people just never talked about it. So the podcast I created is what I was looking for back in my early development days. So I usually ask all my guests, I'm like, you know, through your intuitive development journey, and it sounds like you've been on it for a long time. And I use intuitive as a blanket statement to all the things that you do. Like, what are some of like the biggest fears that you've overcome? And like, how did you overcome them? Um, I used to think that if I just had enough certifications, that that would be enough to feel qualified. Mm. You know, um, when, when we did the first year of Angel Card Mastery, I had been reading cards since I was 12. So it had been like, I don't know, 25 years or something. Like I needed, like I needed a piece of paper to tell me that I was qualified to do something that I had been doing for, for pretty much my entire life. Um, cards now are like, I, they're kind of a prop almost. I don't, I just kind of bring the messages through with them. I don't even, I don't do spreads. I'm actually, as far as, um, our actual training, I'm probably like a really bad angel tribe person because I just go rogue. But, 
Um, there, I had a lot of my fear was around getting it wrong. Um, I had a lot of fear around uh, burning out. So, and those, those things are were legit things for me because they happened to me in other facets of my life. So I used to work in neurofeedback. Um, I worked in a beautiful clinic, two different clinics actually for three years uh, where I was balancing and harmonizing people's brainwaves. So they were coming through with depression, anxiety, insomnia, all these different brain-based challenges. And after like a week or two of working together, they were like completely transformed. And I got to be a part of that process and it was amazing. But because it was always going so well, I don't think I really recognized the responsibility that was involved. Mm. And um, in 2013, it was the week I was getting married and we had all the in-laws in town and it was like high stress. Um, One of my clients who struggled with addiction um, went on a bender, overdosed and died. Mm. And that was the start of my own Uh, mental breakdown. So it was the recognition of the responsibility of my work and then the consequences of what it meant for me. So um, I'm like, my voice is starting to shake even just telling you this now. So when it came to my own business, my own practice, I was really worried about that. I was worried about what if I tell someone something and it has these massive consequences. I felt really responsible. Um, And I worried about what if um, the energy is too intense, either what I was channeling forward or just the sheer demand from me Um, In my early 20s, I worked for two different psychic lines. And there was a woman who used to call so often that I knew her credit card number by heart. (laughs) Wow. Like without an exaggeration. And um, I was really worried about making someone dependent like that on me, where they would just need, like that that need energy was really scary to me. Um, the, The trusting part became a lot easier actually when I stopped working with cards, when I stopped being really dependent on them and I just started to receive messages from everywhere. Then it was just the intensity and the energy management of it. Mm. But I still have, I still have moments where I'm like, okay, whew, we're going to do this. And I'm like a boxer getting ready for a match, right? Like where I'm psyching myself up before and then I can sit down and be the clearest channel. But I think like if I was going to give advice to somebody just starting out, um, if you go in with just an open heart and a really clear intention to be a clear channel and that you're going to bring forward the information that's in support of someone's highest good. In general, you can't go wrong. The other thing is don't censor yourself. I can't tell you how many things I held back because I thought that they were irrelevant, particularly at the start. Um, One time it was a Bob Marley song. As soon as I sat down, this Bob Marley song was just playing in my head. I was like, that's random. Where did that come from? And it turned out that um, my sitter had named her son after someone in Bob Marley's family. And it was a message about the son, but I didn't know. And I had completely dismissed it. But because I was in my training and my teacher knew the sitter, she was able to say, Hey, didn't you have that Bob Marley song playing in your head? Cause I was like, that's weird, Bob Marley. So, you know, there's so many things that to us are easily dismissible, particularly at the start when we're still kind of building up our repertoire of what the language is. Um, Don't censor it. It might not make sense to you, but it might be the exact thing that they need. Exactly. I love that. That is Perfect. And I just had a uh, Instagram message yesterday from somebody saying that their biggest fear is getting it wrong. And I've said in podcast, I'm like, you will be wrong. You will be wrong. And it's not like spirits giving you the wrong information. It's like how you're kind of using your references to express it might be a little bit off. So Mm -hmm. we're like translators. Exactly. And we're not always going to get it right. And it doesn't mean that spirit's wrong or we're not connected. Um, and then I find too, I don't know if you find, but you know, when I finally feel like things are easy, like I had a couple easy months where every single reading was like super easy. It was like, I was getting names. I was getting this. 
And then they started getting hard again. And I think sometimes spirits trying to get you to up level sometimes too, mm-hmm. even when you're in the flow and like things are like, okay, I got this Dan. I know my language. I think that they still kind of be like, okay, we're ready for the next lesson now. Absolutely. And- Cause they're, they know we're growing and evolving too. For sure. For sure. And so I feel like, um, one piece of advice I gave to that person was, um, you know, the fears never really go away from what I experienced. They're always kind of there, but the intensity of them and how they impact us in our work will lessen the resilience Mm. builds. Right. So no, I really love that. And so I thank you for sharing all that and being really vulnerable. I feel so honored to get to know you. I just kind of want to give you some space and time about um, like, how can people find you? What do you got going on that people can work with you? Cause I know after hearing this, this has been a great interview. People are going to want to definitely check you out. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm so excited to have been here. So I'm like, where do I start? Um, so my website is probably the easiest way. So it's serena.ca. It's Serena with a Y because I've got kooky parents. Um, on most social channels, I'm Serena Myers. So you can find me on Facebook and Instagram the most. But I also have a Pinterest board. And I think the thing that would be like the funnest kind of gateway to us getting to know each other and for you to get to know yourself even more would be um, my sacred soul song quiz. So I've created these seven archetypes that um, have a beautiful explanation in their guide about what they're all about, what the shadow side is, and what kind of supports this um, archetype needs. And so you can find that at serena.ca slash soulsong. And you'll get a wonderful like 10-page guide that gives you the nitty-gritty about um, what your soul most needs from you right now. I love that soul song quiz. I did it right away. I'm pretty sure I was like one of the first five that I should go back and peek and see where you, what you were. (laughs) I absolutely loved it. And I think that that's a great way. And I'll put all those links down in the show notes as well. Um, And yeah, I'll just leave it to you to end off the episode. If you have like a quote or a piece of advice in your mind and send off our listeners. I would say that there has been something, there is a reason why you feel called to do this work that you're doing. And on the days that it's hard, because there will be, um, trust in that knowing, trust in that purpose. And if you don't know what it is, trust that it exists because you haven't, there is no coincidence. You haven't been guided to this for nothing. So even if you don't know exactly why, know that there is something that it's coming and that it's okay to take a break, but eventually come right back because there's something you're here to do and you're the only one that can do it the way you're going to. Hmm. I'm going to take that advice for myself too. So thank you. (laughs) I think I will too, actually. (laughs) Thank you, Serena, for coming on Spare School. Thank you.